Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition, a very special edition of the Fantasy Magnet Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I'm your host, Wes Easley. You can find me on Twitter at Loafinit. And as always, I am joined by the very special guy, the second half of the Fantasy Magnets, the, the person that keeps us stuck together, Jared Barry. How you doing today, Fantasy Coach JB? What's going on, Wes? It's, it always throws me off when you ac- use my actual first name, since everybody in, in the Twitterverse knows me as JB. So when you actually use my first name, it always throws me off for a second. But hey, why not? You know, the, the fantasy coach JB stands for something. So <laughs> it, it does. And it says it on my screen here. And our good friend John Frisella uh, at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter, he, he'll refer to you as Jared every once in a while, whenever I'm talking with him. And and I guess since you guys grew up and, and played in the same ball teams and everything like that, he heard that often. So it's kind of stuck. And so it sticks in my head every once in a while also. Yeah, I mean, stuck. That, that's the theme of the show, right? With the fantasy stuck. magnets. Hey, hey, JB, you did do a great job last week of organizing the show, getting some people on here. We both kind of collaborated on that a little bit. And this week, you did another fantastic job of putting together this special playoff edition for the Fantasy Magnet podcast right here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. You can follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Don't forget to follow JB on Twitter as well, at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter. But you've got some people lined up here today. Uh, A representation of each one of the teams remaining in the playoffs. DJ Jarvis, Jeff Bell, a Kevin Tompkins, and even an EMT Ashley. So all those guys are going to be in here representing their teams. So fantastic job by you. Yeah, thanks, man. I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an exciting show. I got a lot of great feedback on last week's show. A lot of people and listeners to the show were hitting me up saying what an awesome show it was having all the guests on. And now with four teams left playing the two games this weekend, I, the, the people that we had on last week did a phenomenal job, but I wanted to get some other voices in here also, so we could have brought on the same people because they did great, but wanted to get some other people in here, give them a chance to get on the Magnet Show, get us a chance to interact with some other people also, so I'm really excited for this show as well. Well, and and we've said it last week, the the fantasy community has been so kind to us this year. The Fit family has been so good to us. And so we wanted to get more avenues for more people to be able to express themselves and about their teams that are remaining in the playoffs. And more big news here for the show as well, the Fantasy Magnet podcast. Uh, the Viridian Global. We, we've got all that gear that we started out with, with like T-shirts, I believe it was. Now we have not only T-shirts and those little half-shirt things, the half-sleeve shirts that I like. I don't know. I don't remember what they're called, but the little baseball outfits. That's what I call them. Yeah. And, and, and we got the hats. You like? You got that? You got a name for the hats? I don't even know what hats are called anymore. What? <laughs> what? What? Well, what yeah. I mean, the guys fit? at Viridian came out with a few different options for us now, Wes. Not only do we have the T-shirts, we have three different type of hats. So we have a beanie hat for the winter. We got a flex fit hat and we have a snapback hat. So we have adjustable flex fit and beanie hats all with the Fantasy Magnets logo. Shout out Jordan Loop for the awesome logo, as always. And on top of it all, Wes, we have hoodies. I don't know about you. I don't know what the weather gets like down there, but... It's cold up here. It's going to be in the teens this weekend. And I love wearing hoodies on the weekend. I always have a hoodie on on the weekend. Viridian made us fantasy magnets hoodies. 
And I promise you, all of you that are listening right now, if you buy one of these Fantasy Magnets hoodies, it will be the most comfortable hoodie you ever wear. I, I picked out this brand specifically. We were going to go with the champion ones that are, you know, all reliable, but they're, you know, they're, they are what they are. They're, they're a good hoodie, but the ones that we picked, the, the Bella something, I forgot what it's called exactly. I'm telling you, I own a hoodie of that brand, and it is the most comfortable, softest. It, it's just, oh, I love wearing that hoodie. So I, I already ordered my Fantasy Magnet hoodie, and I can't wait for it to get here. I have a feeling I'll be wearing that every single weekend until I can't wear it anymore. Well, I like to wear hoodies in the wintertime. It doesn't get very cold here in Alabama, so I'm able to wear shorts and hoodies and wool socks. If you, if you do those three combinations, you have basically from your kneecap to your wool socks exposed, but it just feels good. I don't know. what I can't explain it, JP. It's just how I roll, my friend. It's just how I roll. But you can find that over on the pinned tweet at FI Today with a little underscore. Uh, there's, a, there's a little temporary tweet there right now, but we're, we'll make one permanent here after just a little while. So good job, JP. I'm glad to hear all those good news. Yeah, man, it's awesome. Thank you. The Viridian guys are, are great, and they reached out to me, told me that they were working with a different supplier. They're expanding their collection, and, and the Fantasy Magnets were lucky enough to be involved in that. So please, all you guys that are listeners to the show, if we've helped you at all during the year, we'd love your support coming out and, and rocking some Fantasy Magnets gear, because it, it, it helps us also to get our name out there. You know, I know you guys love listening to the show, and thank you for that. But if you're wearing, I wear my Fantasy Magnets hat everywhere. I went to the pizzeria to pick up pizza the other day wearing my Fantasy Magnets hat. The guy behind the counter asked, oh, what's Fantasy Magnets podcast? So I explained it to him, and, and he might be listening right now. So that exposure, we love that, and, and we appreciate it. No, we really do. And I, I made all the kids that came up to get Halloween candy. I was wearing my Fantasy Magnet sweatshirt at that time, and I made them all right there before I gave them any candy. Subscribe to the podcast. So that was one <laughs> way I did it. Hey, well, before we bring all of our good friends in here from the fantasy football community, we got to bring in a guy that I met on Twitter, Dan Fates. He's a sports anchor, a reporter at Channel 13, WHAM, in, was it Rock? What do you, how do you say it, JB? Rochester. Rochester, New York, just a little bit away from you, I think. But Dan Feets, you can find him on Twitter at Dan F-E-T-E-S. Dan, as we look at the Buffalo Bills in this AFC Championship game, one of the things that I am so impressed about is this coaching staff. And maybe Mm -hmm. even, you know, it starts a little bit higher than the coaching staff. Maybe it starts with the general manager as well. But could you tell me a little bit of where this great uh, season has come from? Maybe it started at Brandon Bean. Maybe it's Sean McDermott. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, I've been so impressed by him. He was an old Super Bowl shuffle bear, as a matter of fact. And, And I'm a big Chicago Bear fan, so I've known Leslie Frazier for a long time. Can you tell me a little bit about this front office? Yeah, it, I mean, this is we we as you look at this game, you know, the the roster for the Bills doesn't really have a ton of big game experience like this. But but you hit the nail right on the head. Sean McDermott, this is going to be his. He's already been in six AFC Championship games. Brian Dable's been in eight, and Leslie Frazier has coached in four. So they've got experience in the coaching staff. And and you're right, this this season I don't think is possible without Brandon Bean. You know, making the moves that he did to acquire Stephon Diggs in this offseason. The Bills knew they were getting a true number one wide receiver, but I don't think anybody thought that they were going to get a number one leader. I mean, th- this guy has. He came from Minnesota with whatever baggage you want to say, but he has been nothing but you know, a competitor, a leader, a guy that's really brought a, an energy and, and a juice into this team that 
that I don't think we expected. Um, so, so that, that's where it all started. And it, it's funny you talk about when did this season come together and was it this moment or that moment? We asked some of the Bills players that over you know this playoff run, and, and Micah Hyde, who had been a longtime Green Bay Packer, had been to the playoffs, had played in big games, he said that this team and this franchise changed in 2018. And that was the year they drafted Josh Allen, and it was the year that they really struggled. Remember, Nathan Peterman actually started that season. Wow. Josh yeah. Allen got hurt, and the team wasn't really good. In 2017, they had snapped a 17-year playoff drought, and then they got rid of Tyrod Taylor. They, they, things things changed a lot in 2018, but Micah Hyde said that was the season that they made a stand and said they weren't going to be the laughing stock of the league anymore. And even though they didn't make the playoffs, what they saw what Josh Allen was doing towards the end of that season, the way they competed, Micah Hyde said the 2018 season set the groundwork for 2019 when they made the playoffs, and now to this year where they went you know 13 and uh, 13 and three. So so it's it's an impressive building process. I, I started covering this team about five and a half years ago when Rex Ryan was jumping out of airplanes and eating dog biscuits and, <laughs> and nobody, you know, it, it was kind of a joke. And, and and then when, when Sean McDermott came over, I didn't really know what to expect all that much defensive coordinator, you know, in, in today's NFL, you need to score points. Um, and, and they've really kind of stuck to what, you know, Sean McDermott says is, is the process. And, and I think that, that, that shows what, what Brandy Bean has done rebuilding this offensive line, rebuilding this offense that last year was, was bad. Um, and, and now to be an offense, that's a top five offense that was, you know, bottom third of the league last year, just goes to show the stability on um, the leadership, the continuity that, that they brought. Yeah. And Dan, obviously a lot of that is Josh Allen and what he's done this year. And I was actually looking at your Twitter page and your pinned tweet is a story that you did on how Josh Allen was a zero star high school recruit <laughs> in the middle of nowhere in California somewhere. And there was one coach that believed in him and gave him a shot and he feels indebted to him for the rest of his life. And now you got this guy breaking the Buffalo Bills season, single season records. You, you got him in conversations with Jim Kelly. Look, you think of the Buffalo Bills, you think of Jim Kelly. And, right. and now Josh Allen's at a point where he's in that same conversation. And if he keeps playing like this, I mean, he could surpass Jim Kelly as yep. the guy you think of when you think of the Buffalo Bills. Talk to me a little bit about the transformation you saw this year in Josh Allen. Well, like I said, it's so funny because Josh Allen like kind of embodies this Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, this team that always feels like they're underdogs, that they're always overlooked. I mean, even when Stephon Diggs came to this team, one of the first things he talks about was he goes, hey, I was a fifth round draft pick. You know, everybody passed on me four or five times. And you're like, yeah, dude, but you're like an, a Pro Bowl wide receiver, like relax. But like, <laughs> this is the chip that these guys carry on their shoulders. And Josh Allen was one of those guys. And yeah, in this offseason, you know, I really wanted to figure out who Josh Allen was before he came to Buffalo. Obviously, everybody in Buffalo knew, you know, he was this kid from Wyoming. And I kind of wanted to be like, well, who was he before Wyoming? And, you know, you go back, he's from a middle of nowhere town in Fireball, California. Um, pretty much didn't really do anything. You know, he played all these sports, but Fireball is so small that nobody gets recruited out of there. He ends up going to junior college. And it was interesting. He goes to junior college because he was the only coach that wanted him there. And then he went to junior college and didn't even start at the junior college. And then he gets one shot to go to Wyoming. And obviously, kind of the rest takes off. But he's always been doubted. You know, he was the seventh overall pick. The Bills traded up to get him. And he was the one that was the project. He was. And Bills fans don't want to admit it. Like, like it's it's kind of the myth around here is that, like, when the Bills had that comeback against Houston with Frank Wright and it was the miracle comeback, everybody says they were there. Like, no, they weren't. And, and for <laughs> Bills fans now to be like, oh, we always knew Josh was going to be the guy. It's like, no, you didn't. And, and, and I was one of the ones, too, saying when they said the Bills select Josh and I was hoping it was going to be Rosen. 
and it was Allen. And I went, oh, no, they made the mistake. Like, you went with the guy that was, you know, such a work in progress. And they stuck with it. And, and it was through the highs and lows. And, like, he always showed these flashes, even his rookie year. You know, he jumps over Anthony Barr and, and kind of goes viral. And you're like, who is this guy? And then, but he always had these plays where just boneheaded scratching plays that, like, if my if I had a kid in high school, I, I would say, like, that's a bad play. Like, running across his body, you know, running to the mm -hmm. right, throwing across his body to the left. And then, you know, his second year, you know, in 2019, he showed more flashes of wow and less moments of, like, that was really dumb. But you look at the Houston game. His first half was awesome, but he just lost total composure in the second half. So you went into this offseason going, is this guy going to be, you know, a next, you know, is he going to take the next step or he's going to be Mitch Trubisky? And that was the, that was the thing. Like, that's what we talked about all off season. You're going to find out now if Josh is the guy. And I, I can't stress enough, not only the Stefan Diggs, but it's the fact that Brian Dable has been here all three seasons with Josh. I, I mean, young quarterbacks getting stability at the offensive coordinator and the two of them, it's like a father and son, best friend relationship. You know, Josh can't say enough about how much Dable means to him. Not only as a coach, but as a person, he loves him. That he says that he, you know, Dable says he has full trust in him. And it was windy in Balt when they played Baltimore, mm -hmm. and they didn't shy away. Brian Dable called one running play in the first half against the Ravens. Like they trust this guy with everything, and it's paid off. Wow, Dan. And you're listening to Dan Fates here on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast. You can find him over on Twitter at Dan F E T. ES on Twitter. He is a reporter for Channel 13, WHAM up in Rochester, New York, and he has got a great Buffalo Bills uh, timeline on Twitter, so you can follow him over there for all those things. Dan, whenever you talk about Josh Allen, you, you, we can't ignore the other quarterback in this game, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he will play, in my yes. opinion. I, I think he's yes. going to play. Is there a game plan that, that Sean McDermott, that Leslie Frazier can come up with to stop Mahomes or is he just that kind of that guy who you try to contain him and not stop him? Yeah, I think it's this. I think it's the latter. I think it is just trying to contain him. And and obviously, like I said, we we're all assuming all week that 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 Patrick Mahomes is going to clear concussion protocol and that he will play on Sunday. And we were talking to Trey White about it yesterday, and, and Trey kind of summed it up best that like with the weapons they have in this offense, you're not going to shut them down for 60 minutes. He goes, but it's about limiting those big plays. And I thought it was the exact same thing that I wanted the Bills to do against Baltimore. I felt that there's no way you're going to shut down Lamar Jackson. Like He's going to have 20-yard runs, and he's going to have these big plays like he had against Tennessee. But it's just a matter of not giving them up and then giving up another one and then giving up another one and letting this kind of snowball out of the way. And Trey White said that he goes, we're a mature, resilient group, and that when it's all said and done in six minutes, like he's like, I feel like we're going to be in good shape. And, and that's the maturity of this defense. And, and I know that they were bad the first half of the season. They were about, they ranked 26 in the league through the first 10 weeks of the season in points allowed per game. After that point, they're sixth in the NFL in points allowed per game. Like, like they have really stepped up. And it's interesting because they kept saying all week long or all season long, we kept being like, like, coach, what's wrong with, with your defense? And Leslie Frazier would always come on these Zoom calls on Monday morning and be like, guys, like, give it some time. Give it some time, guys. Like, it, we're still early in the season. And we kept being like, yeah, but you're winning games like 30 to 26. Like, this is not Buffalo Bills football. You know, you had so much continuity coming back. Um, and he kept saying, like, we got we'll, – we'll get there. And then I think it was after one of the games they they held um, Pittsburgh pretty well. And he got on a Zoom call and he went, told you guys, 
Like it's December <laughs> and we're, and we're playing the best football right now. And it was like, Oh, got it. Like, this is it. like, it goes back to this, like this confident experienced coaching staff that has been together now for multiple years. And it'll be a different game. These two teams met back in week six, but the bills didn't have Matt Milano. Tremaine Edmonds was banged up. Um, uh, Josh Allen was nursing a shoulder injury that he had suffered in Las Vegas two weeks prior. Like it was a weird game. And we've asked them like, how much does the last game matter? And the bills have kind of said like, not at all. Like, like, like they're really two completely different teams. Hmm. So, so it's an interesting dynamic where last week or in that last matchup, Sean McDermott went into the game saying like, we're not going to let Patrick Mahomes beat us. Well, well, Mahomes didn't, he went, you know, 21 of 26, which was good, but he only had 225 passing yards and he had two touchdowns. The problem was, was the, the, the defense that they played allowed Clyde Edwards, he to run for 180. Like, like it was like, what are you doing? And, and, and McDermott said that you have to pick your poison. And, and so I think it's it's an interesting dynamic where this Bills defense has shown the ability to take away certain things. Um, and, and, it, and it may be limiting Patrick Mahomes' big plays, but then he also got to be able to stop whoever's coming out of the backfield because that, at times, has been the Bills' Achilles heel this year. Yeah, and Dan, you, you mentioned Milano not playing the last game, Edmonds being banged up. And those two touchdowns that Mahomes threw were both to Travis Kelsey. Yep. Obviously, we know that Kelsey is a force. He's he's basically a, a wide receiver playing tight end. He's the main target on that offense. And Matt Milano has been the guy who's been able to play pretty good coverage on opposing tight ends from the games that I've been watching this year. Yeah. So tell me what what do you think will be different in, in the way that they play Kelsey? And will it be Milano? And will he be able to at least limit Kelsey, in your opinion? Yeah, Milano, I mean, from what he's a free agent heading into this offseason, he's going to get paid a lot of money. Like the Bills have to decide what they want to do with him. But I, I have not seen a better coverage linebacker in the NFL over the last two years. I mean, I saw Matt Milano cover Cooper Cup out of the slot when they played the Rams earlier this year and, and broke up passes against him. And it's like, what? Like corners can't even do that. Like he's he's got that type of ability. The problem is, is that he doesn't have the size to match up with Kelsey, which Darren Waller had, you know, a decent game against the Bills if you're looking at tight end matchups uh, that the Bills have gone to. It'll be interesting. One of the guys that nobody talks about, and I wouldn't expect to, Dean Marlowe is like their backup safety. He's like their third safety behind Poyer and Micah Hyde. Um, Marlowe's 6'2 and a half. He can go about 200 pounds. He's been a guy they've brought in to play more physical coverage on linebackers and I wonder if McDermott kind of goes and Leslie Frazier goes that route to try and match up a little bit more with size um, because I don't think you know Hyde kind of got tore up covering linebackers um, by Mo Alley Cox in the Colts game Philip Rivers put the ball I mean exactly in the right spots a lot of the times but it was just some of those games where mismatches you know and again Milano's really good also against the run so like you, you're going to have to pick your spots when Kelsey gets matched up whether it's against Taron Johnson in the slot and he's going to have a, a six inch height advantage. You're going to have to pick your spots, but, but I, I expect McDermott not to say like, you've got him one guy's covering him all game. I think it'll be a little bit of Dean Marlowe. I think it'll be a majority Matt Milano, but I think it could, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and throw Josh Norman on him, like, like different things to try and give some type of confusion. Kelsey and Mahomes are just on another level of that. They know what the other one's going to do. And it's, it's, it's what Josh Allen has right now with Cole Beasley when Cole Beasley was especially healthier earlier in the year. Um, but it, it's a really tough thing to match up because when you think Kelsey's going to do one thing, he stops and does another. And Mahomes like knows he's going to stop and do the other thing. It's impressive. Yep. Dan, I, I, uh, 
we're, we live in a fantasy football community here on Twitter, and we do appreciate you taking your time over here. I'm sure you've dabbled in fantasy football a time mm-hmm. or two over your life. Uh, we're in some single-player elimination tournaments called the Baby Bowl here and, and different things like that. And, and so I'm always looking to outsmart the room, Dan. <laughs> so I'm 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 trying to figure out those secondary guys for the Buffalo Bills that may be able to make an impact this weekend in this AFC Championship game, and I have my eye. I mean, we know Dawson Knox, or we we know mm-hmm. uh, Stephon Diggs is going to do his thing. We know that Josh yep. Allen's going to do his thing. I'm looking at Dawson Knox as being an X factor to me. Kansas City struggles against the tight ends all year, and Joku yep. had a big game against them last week. Is this somebody I could be looking at to play to be kind of contrarian and be successful this weekend? Absolutely. I mean, Dawson Knox has, has had all the upside um, possible this year. Problem has been drops. He's dropped the ball. Like like. Plain and simple. He's dropped a couple touchdowns, but he always seems to be that guy that is tough to cover. Like we talk about Kelsey, like, like Knox is a mismatch. So I, I, I like that matchup, especially when you talk about how Njoku had a really big game uh, last week against the Chiefs. Um, I, another guy I've been waiting for these last few weeks, I've been waiting for John Brown to make a play. Um, he, he's a guy that I, I think they're going to, again, I don't know if you can ever really shut down Stefan Diggs. I was just listening to the radio here in Buffalo, you know, on my way into work and Buffalo sports talk radio was like, well, the chiefs are going to try and take away Stefan Diggs. Like, yeah, yeah, every team's tried to take away Stefan Diggs this year. It just, it just hasn't happened. So I, I, I'm not expecting Diggs to have two or three catches. I I expect Diggs who who's going to go up against probably Brashard Breland, who's been in concussion protocol this week as well. Um, So I I, I think John Brown's got to step up. I just don't know how healthy Cole Beasley is. He reappeared on the bill's injury report today. Um, he wasn't on it yesterday, so so an interesting thing there. But I, I like Knox to, to, to make an impact, to catch a touchdown. He's a big goal. He's a big uh, red zone target for Josh Allen. Uh, I like that play. Nice, Good. nice. And I know it's been a weird year for you guys. You're not in the locker room like you normally are. A lot of Zoom meetings. You talked about uh, Zoom meeting with Leslie Frazier. Tell me, uh, it's hard to see because you're not in the locker room. But what have you heard from the other players and, and everybody else in, in there about Stefan Diggs as far as his presence in the locker room, his relationship with Josh Allen? Because he came over with what seemed like, you mentioned it before, yeah. baggage from, from Minnesota. But from what I've seen, I mean, he's smiling on the field. He and Allen seem to be connecting, obviously, on and off the field. So tell me a little bit you know, behind the scenes of what you're seeing and hearing there. Everything that we have seen that we have asked and we've asked and we've asked Stefan Diggs has been nothing but the greatest teammate in Buffalo, like history, like, it, like, it, like really, like it's, it's Josh Allen kind of talked about it the one day that he says he can't believe how people got it wrong and how they got it so wrong and, and how good of a teammate he's been. And, you know, I, I remember the game that they lost to Tennessee and against Kansas, Tennessee, Josh went through the, the, the sideline to the offense after the game and, when the game was winding down and he kind of gave everybody a slap, you know, on the knee, like, Hey, it's fine. Like we lost our first game week five. And then in week six, it was Stefan Diggs. And, and it's funny because we're sitting in the sports office and we're like, yeah, it's easy to be a leader when you're winning, but, but, but it says a lot more when you're that leader, when things aren't going well. And that was a, a weird stretch in week five and week six that the bills were affected by COVID, but it, it was the Tennessee team that was affected by COVID. It, it moved around the Kansas city game. It was weird. But Stefan Diggs has been nothing but insightful, um, very open with us. And it's tough to be kind of open via Zooms. Um, but he's talked about how happy he is. Um, just recently, he talked about how he thinks he found his second home in Buffalo and that he he fits into his environment, which was interesting. He, was, he got very philosophical talking about how some people don't fit into their environment. And he goes, I'm happy. You know, I fit in Buffalo. 
their, their, their passion for football is my passion for football. And, and it was kind of like, did you not fit in in Minnesota? That's what like, it, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny. Like, like it's all these like kind of reading between the lines. But it's funny when, when he first got here in his first Zoom meeting, one of the reporters asked him like, hey, you know, with what happened in Minnesota? And Diggs like not in a rude way, but kind of snipped back and said like, well, what happened in Minnesota? And the reporter was like, well, you, um, the reports. And he's like, what reports? <laughs> and he was like, I, he's like, I didn't do anything. He's like, I just, and he's like, I'm not being disrespectful. He goes, but like, uh, it's all hearsay. Like it, that's not me. Like it was stuff that was coming out. That wasn't me and all of those things. And, and from that moment, he, he kind of garnered even respect from the media of like, okay, like he's going to tell his side of the story. And and then you, you hear Josh about just how much he, he loves playing with them. And, and the two of them, their friendship blossomed over call of duty and playing video games because they couldn't get with each other in the off season. That was how they first started. And then just the fact of they both say they're both like big kids. That That's the other thing is that, you know, that Diggs loves playing with Josh because he's, he's a kid. And he goes, why wouldn't I get, he goes, I see him giving his all out there, you know, running over linebackers, doing all these things. He's like, it makes me want to do that too. So, so it, it, they've really fed off one another. You can't talk about one without, you know, one of their successes this year without talking about the other because they've really gone hand in hand. Boy, just Dan. A quick, quick follow yeah. up, Dan. I know I saw that Diggs was limited for a second straight day at practice. Yeah. We're not worried about that, right? That's just kind of resting him a little bit. Yeah. And that was one of the things last week when he popped up with the oblique injury uh, or before the playoff game, and we kind of asked him about it. And he was like, don't believe everything you read. And we were like, well, we're not like it was on the injury report. And he's like, I'm good. Thanks. And like laughed it off. <laughs> like, 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 like that's kind of his rapport with everybody. Like, don't believe everything you read, man. He's like, I'm good. Thanks for asking though. Next question. And you're like, all right. Yeah. So I, I expect he'll play. It's more of a veteran rest. I think I, I, I just can't imagine him not playing. Dan, I, I got to ask you real quick. What do you think about the Tampa Bay Green Bay game? How do you see that game ending? Do you think Green Bay will be victorious or is this going to be a, a Tom Brady homecoming parade down for him in Tampa Bay? Oh, wouldn't that be weird if the Bills and the Bills make the Super Bowl and they run into Brady, a guy that's tormented them for two <laughs> decades? And because uh, that's that's a little bit of the talk. We're not trying to get ahead of ourselves, you know, over here in upstate New York, but it, it's it's an interesting dynamic. Rodgers is playing at just another level, and it's interesting because the Colts have or the the Bucks have really seemed to put it together recently, and this kind of seems like this is Brady time. You know, he doesn't really care about all these other games, but then it, when it comes to January and February is when you know he kind of takes over and. Bruce Arians has pretty much said like he's letting him coach. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic. I just don't know if he has enough um, and if the defense is, is good enough. Um, so the, the saints just looked like a wounded animal, you know, a wounded duck when they, when they played them while the Packers just seem to be kind of rolling. So I would, you know, I always play the quarterbacks at this point, you know, of the season. Uh, so I, I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers at home loses uh, with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, okay, and what about this game right here? What's your predictions for your Buffalo Bills versus those Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, really, we were just we're we're going to do a Facebook Live show at, at seven o'clock here, and we had to do our picks, and I went back and forth. I, I just really think this Bills team is is motivated, and they love this underdog card. You know, Jerry Hughes just recently talks about how everybody's picking the Chiefs again this week, and he said, good, like, let the experts pick us. They don't know who we are. We're just going to keep punching people in the mouth. Like, this Bills team loves being this underdog. I think they, they, they get enough clutch plays on defense, and this offense just really hasn't been clicking in the last two weeks. I think Josh Allen gets back on track with two playoff wins under his belt. 27-23, the Bills go to the Super Bowl. 
Nice. Wow. Okay, all right. We could take that, right, JB? I like it. I like it. And I know a lot of our friends are, are Bill's Mafia people. They, they're going to like hearing you say that, too. And actually, <laughs> yeah. our friend Linda West, I don't know if you heard this on the Fantasy Besties show Monday, Linda purchased a folding table and said that if the Bills win the game, she's jumping <laughs> through the table. So. Oh, my. <laughs> Linda, Linda. I got to see that. That'll be fun to see. We'll have to tag Dan and something so he can just see <laughs> that one uh, for, for Linda on there. Dan, Fates, you have done a wonderful job. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to join us here on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast. I appreciate appreciate having me on, guys. Stay safe. Thanks so much, Dan. You too. You can find him over on Twitter at Dan Fates. It's spelled F-E-T-E-S, though, at the at the back side of that. And he does a wonderful job there for Channel 13 WHAM up in Rochester, New York. Boy, JB, that was really good. Dan knocked it out of the park. I, I don't know. He, I, I feel like giving him a my microphone and just walking away right now. Yeah, that was awesome. You could tell he's passionate about what he does. And it's great to have a guy who's inside, who's in those Zoom meetings, to be able to, to speak from a, a really close perspective to what's going on with the team. So awesome information we got there from Dan and, and appreciate him coming on the show with us. No, definitely do that. Uh, I'm sure you did not like, though, his outcome for the Green Bay Packer and the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game. I, I know you were biting your tongue, and I appreciate that because he had, he had to go. I think he had to get in front of the camera at this time, but uh, I, I know you were biting your tongue. Well, you know what? He, he, he kind of floundered on it a little bit, which uh, most people are with this matchup. And, you know, you want to think that Brady in the playoffs and, and they have a shot, but you know, a lot of people have the same mindset. Aaron Rodgers, it's his year. He's the MVP. So, you know, it's hard to pick against him right now from, from anybody's perspective. Yeah, we're going to have our experts come on here in just a little while as soon as we dial them up and get them in here. But that is a tough game to pick because your heart tells you that it's going to be really hard for the Packers to lose. But at the same time, your head tells you, man, until you knock Brady out, it's just you got to see it to believe it, I think. And right now, JB, we do have one of our friends, our reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Why don't you introduce him since you know him so well? Yeah, absolutely. We got DJ Jarvis on with us, who is a girl dad just like you, Wes. And he's a big time Chiefs fan. He's the co-founder of For Fantasy's Sake, where my friends Linda and Bonnie both write. He describes himself as a recovering journalist, and I believe he's an announcer or a commentator for a high school softball team. Is that correct, DJ? Yeah, uh, I do the PA and the scorekeeping for uh, my alma mater uh, here in here in the Quad Cities. Awesome! Oh. Very cool. No, that is cool. I, I, I man, DJ, I kind of want to ask you because I play a lot of church league softball up here in <laughs> Alabama. It kind of got canceled over the you know COVID year and everything. I'm really scared that my skills have depleted, completely <laughs> gone away. You know, at my age, and, and I, I would almost love to hear what it would sound like me walking up to the plate. I wear number twelve, DJ. Would it, <laughs> and now, how would you say it? Uh, I don't know. You're kind of putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I, I want. I, I don't know. I got. A, I had a vision of like a big speaker and a microphone. Now stepping up to the plate, number twelve, the old man with a bat who can't swing. You know that kind of a thing. So I, I got you. I did put you on the spot, I, DJ. I, I, I mean, it's it's the the my alma mater. Last time I got to announce for them, won the state championship. So I, I it's uh, 
It's kind of an exclusive club to get your name said by me, you know. <laughs> You're not exciting. worthy enough, Wes. You're not no, worthy yeah, I, enough. I, I smelled what he was cooking. I smelled it. <laughs> How exciting was that, though, to watch your alma mater win a national championship? That had to be fantastic. It, it was it, it was a very good time. Um, I, I really did uh, appreciate it being included. Um, the, the coach was my baseball coach when I was in school. And uh-huh. so when I when I left uh, being a sports writer, um, he asked me if I would I would uh, be interested in coming aboard. And, and I jumped at the chance because, you know, you always want to give back to the people who gave to you. Uh, that's cool. That's a great story. You can find DJ over on Twitter at Deej underscore Jarvis on Twitter. Now, now Deej, we got you in here to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And oh, yeah. I, I know you love the Chiefs from what JB has said. My my one big thing here, whenever I think about the Chiefs, and I think I guess I think about this with every team left standing, really, is how good the coaching staff is there. And with Kansas City, Andy Reid, I want to know where you put him in the pantheon of coaches right now in the league, or maybe even all time. Oh man, he he's the goat. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, but he's he's definitely uh, in my mind top top five. And getting that Super Bowl last year really kind of cemented his legacy. And to think that, you know, there's a possibility that we could get another one uh, this year is, is a big deal for his legacy. I think the video of him dabbing is my favorite. <laughs> I, I love watching that one. It just You don't expect that out of Andy Reid. And it, it was, it's just really cool to see that side of him coming in to celebrate like that. You know, as a, as a uh, more portly gentleman myself who loves to wear red and loves cheeseburgers, I can't help but love Andy Reid. I actually uh, went, went as him at, for Halloween a couple of times. So <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, no, I was, I'm going to start with something that I, I want to ask your level of concern on, DJ, because the Chiefs haven't won by more than a touchdown since week nine against the Jets. So does, does the fact that they've played so many close games and now are playing a, a Bills team that has been pretty red hot for the second half of the season or pretty much all year, you know, after that Kansas City game, does that concern you at all? The fact that they, they really haven't been that explosive Chiefs team that we expect? Not entirely. Um, I think Coach Reed kind of hit the nail right on right on the head this week when he said that um, when you're the defending champions, you're getting everybody's best shot every single week. And I look at it this way: they are defending Super Bowl champions. They did go uh, 14 and one with their starters playing. So I'm not one that gets overly concerned by how many points you won the game by, but the fact that they won. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense because it doesn't matter how you win, it just that just that you won the game. I appreciate that and value that opinion. We know that. At least I know that Patrick Mahomes is going to play on Sunday. Would you agree with that statement, or is it going to be a uh, Chad Henney under quarterback? My nerves have gone gone back and forth uh, the last few days, but the fact that he's been able to to get on the field and and practice, even at a limited um, basis, has it gives me a lot more confidence. I actually told a buddy today who's a Vikings fan. I wish that we were playing them this weekend because. You know, we know we can beat them with a backup quarterback. We did it two years ago with Matt Moore, or last year with Matt Moore. <laughs> what about uh, CEH's uh, uh, injury update, though? I, I know he's been out for quite some time nursing that injury. Is it going to be that they want to just save him for the Super Bowl, or are they going to push him to come back in this game? You know, I really liked what <clears throat> Daryl Williams was able to do last week, and the fact that 
Um, they sat Daryl Williams in, in the Week 17 game against the Chargers, kind of showed that they were willing to use him in those big spots if they needed to. So I, I'd like to say that they won't rush CEH back if, it, if it's not an emergency um, type of situation. But obviously you want all of your, your studs to play. And, I mean, you picked him with the number 32 overall pick, so you view him as a stud. So, DJ, uh, staying on that topic, I saw that Lev Bell was dealing with some swollen knees or something this week. Um, I think, if I read correctly, that CEH did practice today, today being Thursday. So, I I don't know. I think even if CEH plays, I think Darrell Williams will be involved enough to be a sneaky DFS or a one-and-done playoff fantasy play. What do you think? I I absolutely agree, because you... You'd like to say say if we got past if, if the Chiefs got past this point and and got to the Super Bowl that uh, all hands would be on deck and they would use uh, Ceh and Love Bell in, in the kind of areas where you expected them to when they drafted Ceh and then signed Love Bell. Well, my thought on that is that Ceh obviously has had his struggles with goal line work or red mm-hmm. zone work, and obviously the Chiefs score from from a distance a lot, but when they get into the red zone or they get down to the goal line, I think it could be Darrell Williams that punches in that touchdown, and that's why he'll be that. He'll pay off for those people that are playing him in DFS or in a one-and-done. Right, right. I would agree. I think the one thing you don't have to worry about is, uh, as somebody starting a Chiefs running back, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of uh, Patrick Mahomes taking those goal line carries. <laughs> You're listening to DJ Jarvis here. He's our fantasy magnet, a roving reporter, I guess is what you are. You're a Kansas City Chief fan, and we brought you in here, uh, a good friend of the show right now. And and DJ, one of the things I was thinking about was the defense. I know the Buffalo Bills defense has kind of come around towards the end of the year, but still, it's the Buffalo Bill defense, and it's going up against that Kansas City Chief offense. Does Buffalo stand any chance at all of slowing down this machine of the Kansas City Chiefs Mahomes led offense? I think that the Chiefs offense kind of works in cycles and I think that the the big thing is is you know that they've got speed on defense and that's one thing they've been talking about um the talking heads have been talking about this week is like oh Tredavious White blocked Lamar Jackson so he should be able to cover Tyreek Hill and I think that and I'm a huge homer when it comes to this guy, but I think the guy that really sets the tone for that offense is Travis Kelsey. I think that it's just so hard to match up against him, whether it's a linebacker not being able to be fast enough or a safety or corner not being big enough. Is I just think that uh, Travis Kelsey is going to be that big factor that if the Chiefs are able to score you know, the 28 to 35 points, it's going to be a big game at Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and we saw that when these teams matched up last time. Kelsey went for two touchdowns. But that game also, Matt Milano, the the Bills' best cover linebacker, was not playing that game. And I think their other linebacker was was still a little banged Mm -hmm. up and coming off of an injury. I do still think that Kelsey needs to be involved. And obviously he's going to be. And Tyreek's going to get his because that's what he does. But which of the ancillary pieces outside of the big three, Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek, do you think is going to have a big factor into this game? Uh, I would say Sammy Watkins. He didn't play in that game um, earlier this season. And you spoke on the the coverage linebackers for the Bills. I think that the thing that's kind of missed is Travis Kelsey played fullback in that game. And so he was kind of taking routes out of the backfield. And 
So he didn't see um, as many targets as, as I think you'd like to see. And that's not bad for a guy that people like to downgrade on, under George Kittle to play fullback, you know, because people say he can't block. <laughs> that's, that's crazy the way Andy Reid is able to move Travis Kelsey around the field and, and just get him in different positions to be able to succeed. Even that little shovel pass that they end up throwing to him or he ends up throwing to somebody else sometimes <laughs> at, at different times blows my mind what Andy Reid does with that offense. Yeah, he's he's pretty amazing, and and hopefully, I think Eric Bieniemy has a lot to do with that, and and mm-hmm. I hope I hope he doesn't get the Texans job. I hope he's on the next cycle of hires, but that's a guy who definitely needs a head coaching job. Kansas City's not known for their defensive prowess, right? And Josh Allen is 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 pretty pretty good at playing quarterback, and that Stephon Diggs matchup with whoever he's going against seems to be a tough one for whoever, whatever quarterback ends up matching up against him. How do you think the defense will fare for Kansas City this weekend? So since the bye, they've actually only allowed about 22.5 points per game, and, and, and when you have the offense that the Chiefs do, you know that's a very winnable game. And, and I noticed this in the Browns game, and I said this uh, to my dad before the Browns game, is I know he was all pro, but Tyron Matthew wasn't putting up the numbers and he wasn't playing the way you really expect out of him. And he stepped up. And I think for them to win this week, it's going to have to be the defensive line um, putting pressure up the middle and and kind of forcing Allen to move um, where you have your spies. Okay. Here's a fun fact. The defense that's given up the fewest catches to wide receiver this season, Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. It's uh, it. It's a a little known fact that they're pretty good against wide receivers. They have uh, Breland, uh, Chartavius Ward, and then uh, Ladarius Sneed has been really good this year. And I think um, people who don't watch every game don't really um, notice. They just kind of look at at the final score and see that you know the Chiefs gave up twenty four or whatnot. Yeah, and I know uh, Breland's still dealing with the concussion protocol. Yeah, mistaken, and and that would be the the guy. He's at Go the ahead. same level as uh, as Mahomes, so he he was able to to practice in the same aspect as Mahomes today. Okay, so you think he plays? We don't have we'll worry about him not playing. Yeah, I would I would imagine he plays, and and then people won't complain that the NFL pushed him through and it wasn't. <laughs> so then I guess part of the question I'm going to ask you is going to be Breland, but you see the connection that that Josh Allen has with Stephon Diggs and. What do you think the Chiefs' plan is going to be to try to slow that down? Obviously, nobody, everybody focuses their game plan on stopping Stephon Diggs, and, and they right. can't stop him. So what do you think the Chiefs' plan will be to at least try to slow him down a bit? No clue. Um, but the, the thing that is encouraging, as a, I never want to cheer for injuries, but um, both uh, Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis, uh, I think, missed entire practice today. Mm-hmm. And so without having those secondary and tertiary pieces, it kind of allows the Chiefs to kind of um, key a little bit on a little bit more on Diggs. And my hope is maybe Diggs has a bad first half and then you see Minnesota Diggs over there yelling at Josh Allen again. <laughs> well, we had we had Dan Fates on, uh, who's a reporter for the Buffalo Bills and says that Stefan Diggs in Buffalo is nothing like the reports that we were getting out of Minnesota. On, oh, I on, agree. So hopefully that is the case. And I know obviously you, you want tempers to flare because that means your team's winning. So yeah. <laughs> I'll hey, ask DJ, you, well, I'll ask you one gonna, more question, DJ. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna, I was go ahead, JB. You got one more question. I was going to ask DJ for his uh, game uh, score, his prediction. But go ahead. 
Yeah, I just wanted to ask one more question, DJ. What do you think is the biggest key to the Chiefs winning this game? Frank Clark. Um, he he didn't really put up the numbers that he did last year, and he was a a demon in the, in the postseason last year. So if he's able to get get pressure on on Allen, I think that the the Chiefs definitely win this game. That, uh, that uh, I remember him in the playoffs. He was just going crazy in the playoffs. It seemed like, and every time I looked up for him this year, I was like, okay, where, where's that guy that was doing so well in the playoffs? And I never really seemed to see him come to uh, play that hard each each and every Sunday. It seemed like to me, not not playoff hard anyway. Right. Not playoff yeah. Ready. Yeah. If you These, uh, search, if you search Frank Clark from last year's playoffs, he had a profanity laced like wrestling promo. And I want to see that yep. after the game on Sunday. <laughs> so what's your prediction for Sunday, DJ? How do you see this game unfolding? Well, hopefully Mahomes plays, which I believe he will. And I think it'll be a close game, but I think, I think the chiefs end up pulling it out. Maybe like a three to five point game. All right. Nice. We'll put it in the books. <laughs> Thank DJ, you so much. Tell everybody DJ. where they could find you on Twitter and, and all your other stuff you got going on. I am on Twitter at Deej underscore Jarvis. Um, and like you said, you can find uh, For Fantasy Sake at FFSQC on Twitter. And we've, we've got a wonderful roster of writers, including uh, Linda and Bonnie. So um, we're just we're just running through these playoffs. And, and a lot of guys have are putting together draft stuff, too. So it's it's pretty fun right now. That's great. Hey, great job. Great job. Thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to be with us tonight, DJ. Appreciate it. Nice to meet me. you. Yeah, Thanks, DJ. Cheese. All right. JB, that was a good one. I like his prediction. I like the little ancillary notes that he gave us about uh, the different the different players, especially that Frank Clark. I thought that was really key. Yeah, you know what? If you ask anybody what the key to the Chiefs winning the game is going to be, uh, a lot of them will probably answer with, oh, if Mahomes is healthy and his foot doesn't hurt him, and if if Kelsey can get open, if Tyreek can burn a big one. But nobody, I, I don't think many people would answer that question with Frank Clark. So that was pretty cool <laughs> that he did. And, and it, he's absolutely right. I mean, Frank Clark yeah. made a big statement last year in the playoffs. So I think DJ was on to something there that he will be a key to the Chiefs winning the game if they can pull it off. And sometimes those people have a little extra in the tank, you know, that they're just waiting to unleash during that time. Uh, kind of like a playoff Michael Jordan or something like that. You know, it just seems like they, they are able to bring it to a different level. Uh, JB, we've got another guy in here right now. Uh, Jeff Bell is here. Do you got a little information on him that people can find him on Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. Jeff Bell is on Twitter at For Whom J Bell Tolls. And that's the number four. <laughs> W H O M J B E L L T O L L S. I I like the creativity there because you know with the last name Bell for whom the bell tolls. But no, it's for whom J Bell tolls because he's Jeff Bell. He's also the lead writer of Debbie content at Going for Two. He's a member of that growing Join Our Circle Fantasy Intervention Group. He just put out his first article for Fantasy Intervention, which was a great heartfelt piece on Drew Brees. So if you haven't seen it yet, go to his pinned tweet and check it out. He's another girl dad just like you, Wes, and he's a big-time Bills Mafia member. Thanks for coming on the Magnet Show with us, Jeff. Hey, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, yeah, we're glad to have you, Jeff. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on with us. Now, we had a, a Bills beat reporter, I believe, up from up there in Rochester, New York, just on with us a little while ago. And he talked really well about your Buffalo Bills. And one of the narratives that he said the Bills are really, really good at doing 
is playing that underdog role, the us-against-the-world mentality. Is that the same kind of vibe that you feel from this Bills team this year? Oh, absolutely. I, I think you look at what McDermott, the culture that he's brought in, you know, they've made sure they cleaned house right when they came in. Every guy there is completely bought in. They're having the time of their lives. You can tell. You can see it come through. Um, and they do absolutely love that underdog mentality. Yeah, and speaking of that coaching staff, Jeff, uh, Brian Dable seems to be staying put. He made it a statement that he's not going anywhere, and I think that that's huge for Josh Allen, who has spoken about the relationship that they have and that you know they kind of have a, a father-son type of relationship, which Dan also mentioned earlier. How big is that, and how big of an impact has Brian Dable have, uh, had on that team and on Josh Allen? You know, you can't undersell it. I mean, you're exactly right. It has been a huge impact. Obviously, I hope the best for Dayball. I I hope he can get that head coaching shot. But it is is really huge to keep him through the cycle. You know, the backstory with Tom Telesco going to being in the same high school, you know, I thought for sure he was going to have that Chargers job. Um, So it is exciting to see him back. He's brought a different level of creativity to the job and definitely the – um, growth with Allen, you just can't beat it. Now, everybody's talking about the injuries in this game a little bit, especially with Patrick Mahomes being highlighted in that injury report. But to me, when I look at the injury report, I, I look at the Buffalo Bills and I say, hold on a minute here. Cole Beasley appeared on the Bills injury report. Stefan Diggs is limited for a second straight day. Uh, what's going on over there? Are these just maintenance days, or do you think that these guys we might have some serious consideration into missing on Sunday? I think these guys, you know the type of guys that they are. They're going to be out there. Um, Beasley, he's been dealing with that injury for a long time now. He hasn't quite been the same through the entire playoff run. Um, I saw Gabriel Davis, too, had some issues going on. You know, but the heart of these guys and the opportunity that they're in, they're they're going to be on the field. I would be very surprised if they weren't. Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. And I think that Diggs was a maintenance day. I think Beasley is limited due to the injury, but he's a gamer, so he'll get out there and and he'll tough it out, and then probably write a rap song about it afterwards. But. Mm-hmm. As far as injuries go, you know, Wes talked about the injury to Mahomes. We saw him get concussed last week. We saw Lamar get concussed last week. Do you think that worries the Bills at all and into maybe changing the game plan and, and all those designed runs that they run with Josh Allen after seeing that happen to the, the premier quarterbacks last week? At this level, I don't think you're going to change the offense. You're not going to be worried about the potential of what might happen with the quarterback. You know, this is a bring your guts, lay it out, all out on the field game. And um, I actually wrote a piece looking at kind of red zone usage in quarterbacks and how it spiked with Zach Moss being out. You know, this is a buckle the chin strap up game and let's go get it. One of the things that has shocked me this season, right? I mean, we had all those COVID concerns and everything, and maybe we would have seen it in the preseason if we would have been able to watch Josh Allen lace it up and play some of those games. I didn't expect Josh Allen to take that big of a leap forward, right? I mean, it's going into his third year, I believe, this year, and he has just excelled. His completion percentage has gone up. Maybe that has something to do with Stephon Diggs. But is that just the kind of attitude that Josh Allen seems to bring in week in and week out? Is just a, uh, I'm going to get better every single game attitude? Oh, absolutely. You know, the stories about him working with Jordan Palmer, 
you know, I, I think what people fail to realize about him as a prospect is just how raw he was. You know, he went to a smaller California high school. He kind of kicked around a little bit. Um, the Bills fan, the Bills, obviously Bills fans, you know, we saw the tools that were there. And I think that what is what got lost in a lot of the scouting is people kind of didn't see what was there and saw more what wasn't there. Um, and, you know, he, like he's shown, the things that weren't there with good coaching and, you know, hard work, they were correctable mistakes. And it, the leap forward that he's making has just been huge. You know, I, I have a tendency to believe that had he been at a place like Oklahoma, he would have been the 1.01 without a doubt out of that draft class and had that those multiple years of development. Certainly nothing against the coaching staff at Wyoming, but he, he took a different road to get to the top. And, you know, it's shown through his work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you love to see it. You, he was kind of at that point this year where it was almost like a prove it year, like, you know, are you going to be Baker Mayfield? Are you going to be, you know, uh, Mitchell Trubisky? You know, like, what are you going to become? And he sure took a leap forward into that top tier of quarterbacks. It's going to be interesting to see where he gets drafted next year in fantasy football. I think he could be the second or third quarterback off the board. Mm -hmm. But coming back to this week, I mean, they're playing in Kansas City, which has always been a tough place to play. Obviously, with the COVID year, it's a little bit different of an environment, but they're still going to have sixty to sixteen to 20,000 fans on hand there. Do you think that's going to play a factor for the Bills, being that, you know, Allen's been comfortable all year playing with small or, or no crowds? Do you think that that might rattle them a little bit? Certainly. You look at what last week, I think Buffalo had just around 7,000 or so, and you could see it was rattling the Ravens. So it's a new environment they haven't been in with this team this year. So I, I definitely think that could be a factor. You know, Allen's going to have to bring it this game. Um, you look at the games he had through the year. The first time they played Kansas City was arguably his worst game of the year. And if he doesn't have that type of great game that we've seen several times, you know, I, I think this could get ugly quick. But at the same time, if he reaches that level, yeah, I think we've got a great shot. Just a couple more minutes here with old Jeff Bell, for whom the J-Bell tolls, a writer for our Fantasy Intervention. And, and, and Jeff, one of the things I'm wondering, because in DFS stuff, we always know Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, they're the good plays, right? They're, they're always going to excel each and every week for you. But who are those guys secondarily that we may not be looking at that you think have a good shot at going off this weekend uh, from a DFS standpoint? Well, you look at the injury situation with running backs, and you look at the guys available on the slate. You know, I looked at DraftKings earlier today, and Singletary's price is forty five hundred. I don't love Singletary. I don't know about the talent, but the the other backs on the slate, you're going to need some cost savings somewhere. And there's really, other than Aaron Jones, there's not a guy that you really want to get in your lineup. So that's a guy that could potentially stand out. Um, we've seen Dawson Knox come through and catch touchdowns occasionally, but I think you're probably going to want to go Kelsey in that spot. And if you need some of cost savings, you know, Gabriel Davis is a guy that I've been big on all through the season. I know he kind of posted a zero last weekend, and that probably burnt a lot of people. But he's been huge the second half of the season, and he plays a big role for them. We saw it against Indy. He made some huge plays. Yeah, I saw a lot of the Gabriel Davis production during the season and and me and a lot of the friends and, and a lot of the fantasy besties were on him as well. I just I'm worried that when John Brown is healthy, it takes away from Gabriel Davis's production. 
add Davis's injury on top of that. And I almost wonder what you think about playing John Brown in DFS or in a one and done this week. If you're if you're looking for the fill the slot, I mean, certainly we've seen John Brown make big plays throughout his career. Obviously, if he's the guy on the field, he's the, in best position to do that. You know, his price is at a level where you only need one or two big plays and especially a touchdown and he's kind of paying off there. So it's certainly a consideration, I think, too. All right, Jeff, we are going to ask you, what's your prediction for this weekend's ball game? I think Bills are going to win. I think it's going to be something like 31-27, say something like that, decently high, high scoring. Obviously, if Mahomes is whatever his level of able to play, you know he's going to be out there. Um, but the Chiefs have kind of struggled at some points this year, and, and I'm not picking against my team now. I love that. And, and, you know, a big reason why I love that, Jeff, obviously a lot of friends in Bill's Mafia, so I'd be happy for them to see that happen. But our friend Linda Lindellians, who who is one of the members of Fantasy Intervention with you, she said on our Fantasy Besties podcast on Monday that if the Bills win this game, she's going to jump through a table. Now, she's already ordered the table. She told us she ordered the table already. She declined the warranty on the table. <laughs> so my question <laughs> to you, Jeff, is have you ever jumped through a table? Oh, yeah. I have not, but I explained to my wife last weekend that if we have Super Bowl champion Buffalo Bills, I will be going through a table. Um, so I'm excited for that moment. Oh, this is great. So if Linda, if, if the Bills win this week, we get Linda through a table. Then if they win the following week, we get Jeff through a table. Okay. No hey. question. <laughs> that, that sounds good. That That's a plan anyway. I'm not sure if it sounds good, but it's a plan. I saw one <laughs> where somebody caught the table on fire, and then they caught themselves on fire, and then they jumped on the table. Uh, everything was on fire. It's, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> Well, they don't look too much. You can see out there there's people breaking legs and things like that. Don't don't worry. I, I will take it with the full brunt of my back or something like that. I'm not putting the legs on it. Good, good. That's good. We, we need you out here, Jeff. We need you out here. We need your content. We need your contribution. So tell everybody, remind the listeners where they could find you on Twitter, what you got going on, all the different places that you got things going. Sure. I'm at Twitter at For Whom J Bell Tolls. Like you mentioned, the Metallica song. Um, not a big Metallica head, but it, the wordplay f- seemed to work. Um, and you can find me at Going for Two and as a part of Fantasy Intervention. Um, I've got a series coming out that I actually worked with Christian Williams, um, FF Baldman, on Twitter. And we mm-hmm. are doing a Debbie deep dive. We started with Alabama. and We'll be hitting that one soon. Um, and I've got a quick shot coming out with Fantasy Intervention talking about Russian quarterbacks. So those two pieces are soon to come out. That sounds like a good time, especially if you say Alabama. I'm always interested. You pique my interest then whenever you say that, Jeff. Uh, a big Alabama fan myself, so that's always good. Well, I'm a Buckeyes fan, so I'm sorry to hear that, but you know, best of luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Great job, Jeff. Appreciate it. Everybody give him a follow over on Twitter. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, thank Jeff. You. Uh, JP, we another rigger. You keep finding them. We keep bringing them in here each and every time. Now, what are your thoughts about this Buffalo Bill Kansas City Chief game Sunday? It's a tough one to call, Wes, because I think it comes down to the health of Mahomes, and and it's not just the concussion. It's it's the toe also. If he's mm-hmm. limited in his mobility, it takes away a lot from what he does. In addition, we don't know what we're getting out of the running game. You know, you you heard our guests talk about it. The last time these guys played, it was the running game 
that got it going. It was CEH that rushed for over 100 yards and had a big game. If he doesn't play and and it's Daryl Williams, then yeah, Daryl Williams could have a big game. But uh, are we going to really put all of our faith in Daryl Williams having a big game if if Mahomes is banged up? I don't know. I think that it's going to be a close game. I think that the crowd noise and being in that environment is going to be just enough for Kansas City to edge it out. I think Mahomes will be just healthy enough to find Kelsey for a touchdown, maybe hit, you know, a Watkins or a Hardman or, you know, I think they'll do a decent job of containing Tyreek, but he can get open for a big play. So I think the Chiefs will do just enough to get to another Super Bowl. It's going to be hard to go against them when they're at home, right? But at the same time, it's not going to surprise me if the Buffalo Bills take that next step forward. After seeing what Leslie Frazier did um, against that Baltimore Ravens offense and how he's just dismantled them one piece at a time, and the Baltimore Ravens offense has has floundered throughout the year at different times, right? I mean, they kind of came on at the end of the year, but for the most part, at the beginning of the year, they, they really disappointed a lot of people. And I think Leslie Frazier was able to exploit those things. He did hold those Kansas City Chiefs in containment a little bit more than we see other teams doing it. I don't know if you can do that, though, in the playoffs. Andy Reid's going to have something special. Andy Reid's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. I love what you said about uh, Patrick Mahomes' toe, though. If you limit his mobility, if you collapse that pocket from the outside in, I really wonder how well he's going to be able to get around. It's not going to surprise me if the Buffalo Bills win, but I'll still have to take the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Yeah, I'm with you. It wouldn't surprise me either if the Bills were able to pull it off, especially with the year that they're having. I love that you you keep mentioning the coaches and the coaching staffs. That's what we're going to have there. We're going to have two great coaching staffs going head to head. So in addition to the oh, Mahomes against Josh Allen, Diggs against Tyree Kill, you know, you got all these these matchups that you talk about with the players on the field. But it's the matchups of the mind that are going to be what wins and loses this game. You have some great coaches in this game, and I think that they're going to be playing chess with each other to see who pulls it out. Uh, definitely. And Sean McDermott is one of those underrated coaches, but he's going to be in that conversation of great coaches in the league. Speaking of great people in the league, JB, uh, you are one of them at Fantasy Coach JB. You can find me on Twitter at Loafnit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there. You can see all those Viridian Globals uh, uh, gear on the pinned tweet right there. But we've got somebody else that is that that is a I, I want to say a legend. He's a legend in my mind anyway, because he helped me with the draft this year so much so whenever we had him on the Fantasy Magnet podcast earlier this year, it's Kevin Tompkins, JB. Yeah, and I told him that that you've mentioned him many times on the show, and he's kind of become the poster child for Zero RB because he did that great <laughs> show with us earlier in the year, and big friend of the show, Zero RB Truther. He's the host of the Fighting Chance Live Pod, as well as a show we do together, the Fantasy Besties Podcast. Mm-hmm. He writes content for Fighting Chance Fantasy, as well as recently announcing that he's joining Fantasy Pros as well, where he did extremely well during the year doing rankings. So, congratulations on that, Kevin. Well, Welcome back to the Fantasy Magnet Show, brother. Thanks, fellas. Happy to be here, and uh, uh, I, I'm right. Re- I'm already ready to hit 2021, but but 2020 hasn't ended yet, and we're uh, we're ready to talk about some uh, the NFC Championship game here. Yes, and and I know we don't want to talk too much about 2021, and one of the things we really don't talk about a lot uh, on the Fantasy Magnet podcast, Kevin, is politics. But I didn't know if you had heard this or not, but uh, President Joe Biden 
has signed an executive order declaring that zero RB is now banned in fantasy football. I, <laughs> I, I've got connections. He's a, he's a cuse guy just like me. So uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll work the channels. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I have a, I really did. I really enjoyed your articles. I think you released them almost every Friday night this year. Uh, and whenever I was able to take time to read those, it just seemed to be the perfect timing for me whenever you release them to take five minutes, 10 minutes and, and read Kevin Tompkins articles. You did a great job on that. And I'm so excited to hear all your success this year and your future success for next year. So great to have you on the show. I hate that we're talking about the Green Bay Packers, though, instead of my Chicago Bears. I would really like for my bears to eventually make it in here i guess if there's not the bears in it i I guess i would like to see the packers because i really respect aaron Rodgers. i don't like him but i respect everything that he does out there on the field how did he keep that momentum going this season to play better than he almost ever has before as far as i'm concerned any other season if there's anybody that can self-motivate it's aaron Rodgers. that he can play you know, he, he can create his own chip on his shoulder. And, and I'm going to be one of the first people to tell you, I didn't think Aaron Rodgers had another season like this in him. Um, I've been very vocal about the need for another pass catcher. So I was just not sure with Devontae Adams uh, being really the only proven uh, receiving option there that Aaron Rodgers was going to put up what an MVP season. And, you know. Aaron Rodgers proved, proved us wrong and is likely bringing home a third MVP. And, you know, we've got Robert Tunyon to thank with a marvelous season, uh, top five tight end. I uh, got Aaron Jones there. You've had uh, contributions from Marcus Velda Scatling, uh, Alan Lazard, guys like that. So, I mean, say what you want about the weapons around him, but Aaron Rodgers has just made everything happen and, and proven everybody wrong. Well, speaking of Aaron Jones, Kev, he is the top price running back in DFS this week. And uh, I think our Bills correspondent said, you know, outside of uh, of Aaron Jones, you don't really know who you're going to play. But the Bucks are great against the run. They got Vita Vea back this week. Are you concerned about Aaron Jones this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm in, I'm in full fade mode of. Uh, of Aaron Jones. I just do not think, you know, we, we know the Tampa Bay has been fantastic against the run, um, but also through the air. Yes, they've given up the most receptions to running backs this season, but they've also been the number one team in terms of yards per target allowed in the position as well. So even if they are completing those passes against the Bucks, you know, they're not letting them, uh, you know, they're not letting the running backs, you know, get open and get in space and, and just rip off yards after the catch. So, um, if they're getting Vita, Vita Veev back, which I have seen, and, you know, that's certainly a, a fantastic addition into the middle of that defense. It's only going to make it more difficult for uh, Aaron Jones to, you know, get some stuff going. And then we know Jamal Williams gets involved, too. Uh, he had 12 carries last week. A.J. Dillon had six as well. Um, so, you know, they're going to be rotating in those running backs. Um, just if you're going to play a, a DFS slant, I'm I'm going to kind of step away from Aaron Jones here just because of how much they spread out those running backs uh that the that usage there and um just the strength of that tampa bay inside so let me ask you a follow-up to that then you mentioned jamal williams and his 12 carries last week do you think he factors in enough to use as a pay down dfs play or somebody as a sneaky play in a one-and-done playoff format like our baby bowl that we're all in 
Yeah, that's a he. I, I like him as a as a contrarian pick. That's somebody that's not going to get a lot of ownership. That you know, people are going to be gravitating toward those names. They're going to be gravitating toward, you know, um, you know, other names like maybe a Leonard Fournette or even a even a Ronald Jones. Uh, knowing how susceptible Green Bay is to the run. But yes, uh, Jamal Williams is definitely a contrarian pick because he does contribute not just in the in the run game, but in the receiving game as well. We've seen it time and time again, him coming down with a big catch. He clearly has the trust of Rodgers there. So you know he's going to get series. It tends to be, you know, yes, they, they, they switch them out in the middle of a long series when they start getting into plus territory. But they they tend to play two series for Jones, one for Williams, and then maybe, you know, they give Dylan one. But Williams is going to be plenty involved. I don't think you have to worry about use there. Uh, Jamal Williams certainly gets enough uh, to, to be a worthwhile contrarian pick if you're going to try to be different from, from in a tournament format. Now, I know we don't want to look too far ahead, okay? And and I, I don't either. But this has just been on my mind ever since the – uh, the start of this year, whenever I look at the free agent list for Gr- the Green Bay Packers, it, it starts with Jamal Williams to me, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, Aaron Jones. That backfield, all are free agents. And A.J. Dillon has looked pretty good in the opportunities that he's had this year. What do you think happens with that free agent backfield in the offseason, um, Kevin? Well, from the looks of things, I would guess with Aaron Jones bringing Andrew Rosenhaus as an agent for him and his brother, Alvin, uh, that Aaron Jones, I, I would figure, has priced himself out of Green Bay. Um, he's earned every cent and he will earn every cent from whatever team gets him. I like him and uh, potentially Atlanta or Arizona, I think, would be two great landing spots for him. But I think that it's really too rich for for Green Bay's blood. Now, Jamal Williams, I think, would be a very smart uh, uh, guy to bring back. Uh, not having A.J. Dillon just shoulder the load by himself or or even adding somebody outside of the organization, whether it be through free agency or the draft. I think it'd be smart to bring back Jamal Williams. He loves it in Green Bay. He's a fan favorite. That's a guy that I don't think is going to command a lot of money, even at a position where, aside from your superstars, those guys aren't paid that that much, so it's not going to affect the bottom line. Uh, I think Jamal Williams is a likely candidate to be brought back on either a short-term okay. deal, one or two years, uh, to to for some insurance with AJ Dillon. Now, I think Jamal Williams, if that scenario plays out in 2021, is going to be very attractive uh, in 2021 drafts uh, behind AJ Dillon. But yeah, I think Jamal Williams is is a good bet to uh, remain in the green and gold. Okay. I agree with you, Kevin. I think that. You know, he's shown a lot this year after a great off-season workout and training regimen, running up hills with snakes and whatnot with Ronald Jones, and, and they've both come back looking pretty strong this year. Another guy who's looked really strong this year, and I've mentioned him every time I talk about the Green Bay Packers, is my guy Jair Alexander. I mean, I think that if you're not named Jalen Ramsey, he's the best cornerback in the NFL. I think Jair is that 1B to Jalen Ramsey's 1A. I think that he's probably going to shadow Mike Evans this week. I know they've used him in shadow this this year um, somewhat frequently. Do you think he shadows Evans, and do you think he can shut him down? I think he's got a good shot. I think he's going to shadow Mike Evans. Um, you know, Jair Alexander, they don't throw at him, and that's the mark of a number one 
corner is mm-hmm. do they throw against him? And no, they do not. I would take him number one over Jalen Ramsey. That's not being a homer. That is just the respect that he is given around the league that he's, he's just not a guy to target the receiver that is, you know, being blanketed by him. He shut down, you know, players all season, you know, Calvin Ridley, uh, so far, you know, right on down the line. Now that's going to make for a very interesting, uh, matchup, you know, with Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, what what Green Bay does there. Um, you know, but that's certainly going to be affected by how how good the Green Bay pass defense has been um, lately since week 13. They've been second in touchdown percentage allowed, eighth in yards per attempt, uh, fifth in pass rating against, and second in pro football focuses coverage grade um, in that time frame. So I'm not super worried, though it's a big test. You know, you got three bona fide stud solid receivers. Um, we've seen Antonio Brown you know, in, in games here and there when they've needed him answer the bell. So um, it's going to be a fun matchup. That's that I think is going to be the X factor. There is outside of Jair Alexander, what, you know, kind of coverage and, and if Tom Brady can get the ball to those other guys. And then let's also not forget Rob Gronkowski because in week six, he was the, he was the X factor in that matchup when the Buccaneers blew out the Packers. Um, he caught a touchdown and he had the most targets of the team. I think he had eight targets that game. So, um, yeah, that's, that is the main focus as far as if Tampa is going to have success, it's going to be outside of Jair Alexander. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with you on that. And going over to the other side of the ball, when the Packers are on offense, obviously Devontae Adams is the man. The Bucks outside corners are have been playing very well this year. Carlton Davis is a guy who I've professed my love for all year long and defended him in, in bunches of group chat. Jamel Dean on the other side has been excellent. I don't know if Carlton's going to shadow Devontae or not, but I think the best matchup and my favorite matchup is the Alan Lazard matchup coming out of the slot. He runs about, I think, more than 50, maybe 60% of his routes out of the slot. And that's where he'll see Sean Murphy bunting, who allows like an 80% catch rate and is a little bit banged up. He's been, he was in and out of the game last week. I think that that's a sneaky play, and, and I like Lazard, as you saw last week, to be able to get behind his coverage and, and get that touchdown. What do you think? Yeah, he's invaluable to that team. I mean, not even just for his receiving work, but he's one of the best blocking receivers in football. If you think about um, way back, maybe 10, 15 years when the Atlanta Falcons had Michael Jenkins, um, a big bodied receiver who was a great blocker for the run run game that they had in Atlanta with Warwick Dunn and Michael Vick. That's the kind of uh, com- comparison that I have for Alan Lazard is to Michael Jenkins, a very underappreciated workmanlike wide receiver that can that that can catch 50 balls a year. Let's remember week six Lazard was not active. So uh, this is his first game against the Buccaneers. I do think, you know, they're going to be giving a lot of attention to Devontae Adams and rightly so. So they're going to need someone else to step up, whether it's Tunyon, whether it's Alan Lazard, whether it's Marquez Val- Valdez Scantling, uh, who I call Mr. Coin Flip because, you know, he catches 50 percent of the balls thrown at him. That's pretty much been his <laughs> career is flip a coin, which MVS are you going to get and hope you get lucky and maybe get two in a row. Uh, but outside of that, Alan Lazard is very underappreciated and I could, I, I like him in this matchup. Um, I would not be afraid to play him. Yeah. in like a baby bull scenario where you've played all these wide receivers and Alan Lazard is a guy who could easily pop up for, you know, five for Saudi and a touchdown. 
You're listening to Kevin Tompkins here on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast. He is our Green Bay Packer expert tonight. He also writes for content for Fighting Chance and is one of the many fantasy fantasy besties on the po- fantasy besties podcast along with jb barry of course kevin I, I gotta ask you this question because i've been asking everybody about the coaches i think the coaching is so valuable here in the playoffs especially and that's one of the reasons why these teams are still playing this year matt lafleur uh has been given the chance to be a head coach in this league it seemed like there was a lot of friction between him and Aaron Rodgers at the start, at the middle, and even towards the end of last season. And like you said, Aaron Rodgers always finds friction somehow, some way. This year, though, they seem to be best buds. The floor has impressed me with his ability to draw offensive plays, to get Devontae Adams in motion and to get him open, not to mention all the other running backs and everybody he just just he has just done a wonderful job at scripting those plays what are your impressions of Matt LaFleur I'm I'm really impressed with Matt LaFleur uh you know we've got the narrative that uh Matt LaFleur had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay in an elevator and that's you know how they pretty much got their start there and LaFleur or uh, McVay kind of rubbed off on LaFleur but um you know just seeing a lot of the same concepts that the Rams run they run a lot of the same uh, a, a lot of different plays out of the same kind of look, which is a lot of that jet motion. Um, they had Tyler Irvin in the beginning of the year, and then he got hurt. They signed Tavon Austin. Um, so, you know, they're they're running a lot of that with him. They run a lot of that with Alan Lazard as well. I mean, when you see a 6'5 wide receiver running in motion, I mean, you don't even know what to do as a defense. So um, I'm very impressed by, by Matt LaFleur, and clearly that is – um, him and him and Rogers are working very harmoniously together. And, um, you know, we were, we were wondering how that was going to play out with the Packers spending the 26th pick, uh, in last April on Jordan love and yeah. wondering, is this going to be the, the beginning of the end of Aaron Rodgers? And I mean, it's only the beginning. It seems like with, with LaFleur and Rogers now. So, um, you know, look out because this team is playing the best football, in my opinion, of the four teams remaining. I would put the Buccaneers behind uh, the Packers. I think this game is going to – the the NFC winner is going to win the Super Bowl over the Chiefs and over the Bills. I will say it right now. I think both teams are playing the best football out of the four teams remaining here. So, um, yeah, LaFleur, I'm definitely a fan, and, and I'm definitely on board. I've watched Green Bay for many years, just like you have, Kevin, just being in the same division as my Bears, and I agree with you. I, I, have, I haven't seen this kind of Green Bay offense, defense, everything seems to be gelling for them right now. They are really paying really, really well. Yeah, and, and it's fun to see. It's fun to see, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a guy who we've seen do it, and like Kevin said in the beginning, we didn't know if he'd be able to continue to play at this high level, and he's having an MVP season. It's 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 really good to see that. He's a fun guy to watch play. He's, you know, one of those old-school gunslingers that you like to watch that style of play. I know I do, at least. So, yeah. Kev, what do you think is the biggest key to the Packers winning this game, the biggest key to them winning? Uh, getting production outside of the big out, out of the stars. Um, so Rogers getting something outside of Devonte Adams, whether it's Robert Tunyon, whether it's Jamal Williams, whether it's AJ Dillon breaking off a run. And then you've got the other receivers. You know, we know about Marcus Valdez Scantling and his home run, um, 50, 50, 
uh, work. We know we just talked about Alan Lazard. You've got Equinemius St. Brown, too, who they've been working in. Um, Tavon Austin, you, you never know what could happen. Maybe they run a jet motion and he, t- and he breaks one off. You, you never know, but they've got options, and they haven't had options for a very long time. They've had that stud, and then they've had the rest of everybody else. And then you know, now that these guys are earning the trust of Aaron Rodgers, and that's the most important thing when you're talking about the Packers, you have to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust. And now it seems like all these guys, even with all of my criticism of Marcus Valdez-Scantling, he seems to have that trust with him just to, to break it open and, and pop the top off of a defense. So um, outside of Aaron Jones, outside of Devontae Adams, um, whoever, whatever production that they get outside of that, if they can get a touchdown or two, or they can get some big plays, that's I think that's going to be the the big deciding factor in Green Bay winning this game. Well, well Kevin, the- you are one of my besties and and one of my favorite people, but we're enemies for the next couple of days, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get it. The old NFC Central uh, battleground here. Yeah, yeah. What do you see the final outcome of this game being, Kev? Give me your prediction. Um. I, 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 um, I predict a lot of anxiety on not just my <laughs> end. Um, if I had my impartial, I will say 34, 23 Packers. Okay. And, and that, you know, in point spread terms, it, it, this one is the bigger point spread. It's about 10 points right now is what I saw on odd shark the other day. No. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I saw. That's no what I saw. Way. It was like four. I, hey, it's it, right now. It's fifty-one and a half. Yes, okay, it's four. But Odd Shark has the predicted score of Green Bay Packers thirty and Tampa Bay Buccaneers twenty. Okay, so that's the predict. That's their predicted score. So you're right. The point spread is three, but uh, that's that's what I have stuck in my head. Well, I don't like those guys. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, great job. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you being on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, fellas. Hope to do it again uh, in the off season here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, guys. I don't even want to ask you what you thought of what Kevin Tompkins was talking about. Not yet, anyway, because we still have uh, a Miss Ashley to go next for our... Why why aren't you our Tampa Bay Buccaneers reporter? We wanted to get Ashley on. Well, you know what, Wes? I I think the listeners have heard me talk about the Bucs all year long, and I thought with four games this... Two games and four teams this week that I'd let them hear another voice that's active in, in Buccaneers Twitter and active in all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, it's been me all year. I've always been the Buccaneers expert. I've always been the guy digging deep on the Bucs because you know what a big Bucs fan I am. But I wanted to bring Ashley on the show because she's the queen of Buccaneers Twitter. So I, I wanted to get her on so that she can get on. And, and like I said, the listeners can hear another voice. So we're going to bring in EMT Ashley here. You can find her on Twitter at EMT underscore Ashley. Like I said, she's the queen of Buccaneers Twitter. She's a host of Talk the Plank podcast. She writes for all things Bucks. She's an EMT. So thank you for all you do out there helping people and saving lives. And from what I saw on your Twitter today, your dream is to arm wrestle Devin White. I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I but mean, thank you for joining us. I mean, it might work out well. I mean, you never know. Look <laughs> deceiving, right? <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited. 
No, we're glad to have you on, Ashley. And one of the things I've got to ask you, you were, you're, you sound excited to be on the podcast, but how excited were you when you found out that Tom Brady was going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer last year? And has that excitement lived up to its potential or to, to, to everything you thought it was going to be this season? I was definitely surprised when it first came out. I thought people, I was at work when it happened. So uh, people pulled up my phone and were like, Tom Brady just signed with Tampa. I'm like, no, he didn't. He signed with the Chargers. Like, that's, they were talking about this whole last week. Like, he signed with the Chargers. Like, stop messing with me. And then I started getting, like, the pictures and everything in and the, and the updates on my phone. And I was like, no way. Like, I thought right away that, like, this has to be a Super Bowl or bust type team. Because, like, you got all the wide receivers in the world you could ever want. You got a great defense with full of young talent. And now you have the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, it's like you get excited because like especially being a Bucks fan, you haven't really known success like that in, you know, almost 20 years, really. Outside have you, have, of, outside have, of 2007. have you missed Jameis Winston as all, at all this season? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I miss being able to talk. I, 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 what I miss is having to defend Jameis Winston. And and it became part of, like, who I was, you know, because I'm in New York here, Ashley, so, like, I'm one of the few Bucks fans that anybody in my circle knows. So anytime mm-hmm. Jameis did something stupid or, or had a bad game, I was getting blown up because it was, oh, the Bucks or Jameis did something, let's hit up JB. So, you know, I, I really was getting tired of defending him, so I was kind of glad that that... that kind of ended this year and obviously being able to replace him with Tom Brady was just you could hear the smile on Ashley's face talking about it and and all of us Bucks fans were were super excited just to have a a, a winner a guy who's a proven champion to lead this team and and that's exactly what we needed to get over the hump we had a lot of pieces in play but Ashley what I noticed last week was Tom made some bad decisions throwing the football. He was forcing things last week. It looked like there was a few times where he had Fournette or he had somebody on a check down for a couple yards that could have made a a play to either get a first down or get a few yards and get us to the next play. And Mm -hmm. Brady was trying to force balls into deeper reads. I think that that was a bit of a concern. And I think that if he tries to do that too much and tries to do too much this week, it could be a problem. What do you think? Uh, I definitely agree. I mean, there's there obviously some really wide open guys that like, uh, like you said, it was near the red zone and uh, Fournette had like four yards to get for a first down on third down that ended in a field goal. Uh, the throw to Gronk on the slant that he missed and then Godwin was you, on the replay. You could see Godwin coming like wide open on a slant, like needed to wait like another two seconds. And it's just. I think he likes who he likes, um, and he trusts. Uh, and not that he doesn't trust anybody on the team, but when you have backs who have had issues with catching the ball out of the backfield, and um, you know you have you know a six foot six target that you've thrown ninety five touchdown passes to, <laughs> like sometimes you have favorites. And I think that he was just unsettled the way the game started. I mean, when you go three and out throughout the game, and then you give up a huge kick turn for like. 60 yards, and then you go another three and out, and then they almost get another kick return for a touchdown that gets called back from a penalty. Like, you can get rattled. You know, you think that you're behind. It's the, the NFC, the divisional game. Like, you're playing for your life. It's not just, oh, we'll get it fixed next week. If you lose, you're out. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I've been thinking about with those Buccaneers is I'm not going to say Tom Brady has lost any zip on the ball. I think I think he looks about the same as he's looked 
over the last couple of years. You know, it, it's it's Tom Brady, and and I haven't seen this year be any different than the last couple of seasons that he had in New England. But one of the things that I have been banging, banging the table for is for Bruce Arians just to go ahead and run that ball at least 30 times a game to try to alleviate some of that pressure from Tom Brady, thinking he has to be the gunslinger anymore, to think that he has to throw the ball that many times, to just make that commitment with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. I think that team has a lot of success this week if they lean heavy on that run. Do you agree with me on that, Ashley? Oh, absolutely. I mean, nothing against Green Bay's defense, but they're not they're not the defense that Washington is. And I mean, they might be up to par with how, I mean, in the running game, I mean, um, with how the Saints are against the run. They're, they're really good against the run. They always have been. Um, but it's just, it, it's kind of hard when you have backs that, you know, haven't produced. Like, you try to give Keyshawn Bonds, you know, uh, workload when Ronald Jones is injured and he keeps fumbling the ball. He's not producing the way you hope. He's missing catches out of the backfield. LaShawn McCoy has been a huge question mark. Like, what what is he really doing right now? He hasn't been at, I don't think I've seen him on the field except for, like, two plays in the last five weeks. And you have Ronald Jones who's dealing with a hamstring or a quad issue. So it's kind of hard to establish that run because you want to keep your guys fresh. I think that's what he's kind of uh, harped on is like making sure they're not tired because we're going to need them. I think that if Ronald Jones is healthy this week, absolutely they can they can just dominate up and down the field if they really want to, if the, if the line can get the holes open because you saw last week, Fournette's is a different animal. He called himself playoff Lenny for a reason. Like that man took a completely different back. <laughs> Like, if you gave me Leonard Fournette in week, in week five and, and told me he's going to start a playoff game, I'm going to be terrified. Like, that man was running into, like, defenders like it was nothing and missing gaping holes. But now he's making guys miss. He's being shifty. He's, mm-hmm. he's duking people out. And then you got Ronald Jones, who should be coming back hopefully this week, you know, as close to 100% as possible. And the snow game. Like, it's going to snow. I feel like they have to run the ball and they have to do it successfully to win this game. I absolutely agree with you. And Ronald Jones is getting healthier day by day. And you saw, you know, he missed the first game against Washington and he came back last week and he didn't play a full complement of snaps. But when he was out there, he looked like he was running well. He broke a nice 60 yard run that ended up getting called back. But he tweaked his calf again on that play. But nobody seems to be concerned about it. I think the workload kind of flips this week. And yes, uh, I love the nickname that Leonard Fournette got. I I think it was Donovan Smith that gave him the playoff Lenny moniker. So I love that. But I think that, and, and hear me out a little bit. This is where I'm thinking. So last week, Fournette is from Louisiana. He played college in Louisiana. They wanted him to be the guy against New Orleans. It was also his birthday the day after the game. So, all right, let's feed Leonard. Let's let him do his thing in his hometown. But now Ronald Jones is a little bit healthier. I think he's the more explosive back. I think the way that this is going to go this week is Ronald Jones is going to lead the team in carries, but Fournette's going to be the one involved in the passing game because I think Brady has no faith in Ronald Jones out of the backfield as a pass catcher anymore. So that's how I think it's going to go, Ashley. You think that the backfield is going to play out that way? I think just thinking the way as, as Arians has done things the last couple of weeks, I think he starts Leonard Fournette again. But I do think that as the game progresses, that he is going to enjoy Ronald Jones more. And this is just simply because I think Ronald Fournette, right? Ronald Fournette, Leonard Fournette has the hot hand right now. I mean, he's been hot. He's averaged over 100 yards in both playoff games. Like it's hard to argue that. Um, 
And, you know, it it all depends on just how well Ronald Jones feels. I mean, we thought he was going to play against Washington. He looked fine. He practiced full participation all week and then tweaked his cap in in warm-up. So, I think you just don't know. You just don't want to risk it, especially if you do make it to the big game. Like, you you need all your guys. So, I think that – I think out of the backfield, I think you're right catching the ball. I think Leonard Fournette will get most of those carries. He's a bigger guy who can shake off tackles. One of my biggest things I have right now with Ronald Jones is the fact that he can't really – once he gets the ball in his hands out of the backfield in a pass-catching situation, he, he can't really make anybody miss, and he's, he's, he's just not powerful enough to really shake them off. At least like what it looks like to me. I mean, unless they're going low, he's, he's probably going to get wrapped up. But Fournette has that big body where he's able to, you know, get a couple extra yards or shake somebody off. Hey, you're listening to the Queen of Buccaneers Twitter, EMT Ashley at EMT underscore Ashley on Twitter. She is the host of the Talk the Plank podcast and a writer at All Things Bucks. Now, Ashley, the Buccaneers defense played out of their mind last week. And I think part of that had to do with Drew Brees just looking like, hey, this is this was his last game. It kind of looked like it. it. No zip on the ball, those kind of things. It just didn't look like he was really out there. I don't want to say wholeheartedly because we know his heart was into it, but maybe whole shorter shoulderly because it just (laughs) didn't seem like his shoulder had enough in the tank anymore to be able to get the job done this week though. They're going against that green Bay Packer offense. And that is, that is a machine. And that offense scares me. Does that defense, and I know how good they are because JB talks about them all the time. Does that defense have what it takes to slow this machine in green Bay down? I think it depends on just what the roster looks like come game day. I mean, if you get Rita Vea back at any kind of capacity, it's going to be a game changer. Like, you're finally going to get that pressure up the middle that you've been missing. And it's not enough to, like, Steve McClendon or even... Uh, uh, Raheem Nunez Roaches! Like, yeah. I yeah. love that it's guy. Not, it's not enough <laughs> for them at all. Like, they're, they're great at what they do. They've been helping us stop the run. They've even got a couple pressures a couple times. Uh, Roach has had one against the, the football team. We played them. They really helped us get off the field, but I just feel like that's missing. Like it's, it's getting making harder to get the guys off the edge to get to the football. So I think that if he plays, they have a great chance to create some real pressure and, and you know, kind of disrupt the way that Rodgers sits back there in the pocket like he did in week six. So it's all going to be how they can disguise blitzes from one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, Rodgers is up there. He's having an MVP season. So if they can confuse him and, and get under his skin like they did in week six, they definitely have a shot. They have to play the same kind of aggressive mentality and not that soft zone, though. Yeah, that soft zone kills me. I I hate when they go to that. And and it's a known fact that Will Golston's my favorite Buccaneer, and, and I'd be remiss to not mention him when we talk about guys up front that are hard workers that don't get enough recognition. You know, he's not a guy that gets talked about with all the stars on this defense, but he's a run stuffer and you see big 92 all over the field. So I just had to give him a little shout out real quick. My biggest concern, Ashley, and what I'm worried about with the defense this week is the secondary being banged up. I saw it last week, all three of the big three cornerbacks, we would call them, you know, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, all three of them, had to limp off the field at some point. Sean Murphy Bunting went off the field a couple of times with different injuries. Obviously, you know, they were fighting through it. They were playing through it. They're gamers. I think that in this game against Aaron Rodgers, against Devontae Adams, if these guys aren't coming in full strength, that's my biggest concern with our defense. I I would agree. I mean, you have to to want to want your guys to be completely healthy. I mean, 
Devontae Adams is 100% healthy again. Marquez Valdez-Scantle is 100%. Um, you know, they have really talented, really healthy receivers right now. And if you can't keep up with them, they're going to burn you. Like, it's not the same Saints offense, like you said. Rodgers is going to push the ball down the field, and all he has to do is flick his wrist, and that ball's going 40 yards, and accurately at that. So you have to create pressure. You have to disguise blitzes. You have to play sticky man coverage. If they play zone, they're going to get beat. Yeah, I, sorry, I was just going to say, you know, one guy that has stood out in that secondary has been Antoine Winfield. And and in my mind, he's a defensive rookie of the year as far as I'm concerned. He's been a vocal leader. He's been a ball hawk. And he's just been awesome there. And even guys like Levante David talk about how even going back to training camp, you know, he heard this voice behind him like, you know, who is this guy? You know, just being a leader and, and what a pick he was for us and and. <laughs> What a staple in the back of that defense. Talk about how great he's been and how he could factor into this game a little bit. Man, Winfield's one of the most exciting guys I think we've drafted in the secondary in a really long time. Like, I'm not even talking like, you know, oh, in a couple of years he'll be great, kind of like Carlton Davis has kind of come on. But, like, since day one, like, he's just athletic. He makes big plays. Not a, He's not uh, afraid to throw his body around. His instincts are insane. Like, his football IQ is just something like, it's marvelous to watch, like, just how he reads plays and, and, like, dissects them before the ball is even snapped. There was a play last week where it was a run play, and he came from, like, all the way in the middle of the field, all the way around to get a tackle for loss. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, how did he get there so fast? Like, that's insane. Um, you know, he's able to really – I think he's really able to stay calm. Like, as a rookie, you know, quarterbacks want to target you. They're like, oh, you know, he doesn't have that real experience yet. But he has that pedigree and, you know, an NFL dad. So that kind of comes into play, too, where he's, you know, getting coached by his dad, I'm sure, all the time. Um, he can absolutely impact the game. He's made a couple big plays now, just like last week against the Saints, where he punched the ball out and got the ball from uh, Jared Cook. I'm like, that turned the entire game. He's yep. had a couple different fumbles. He's made some really big hits. He had the big play against the Giants to, to win the game, like. But he's not really a rookie in my eyes. Like, this is someone that can play ball and play with just about anybody. Uh, and Devin White is huge too. By the way, out there on the field, he just—he uh, looks—he looks crazy big. You know what I mean? He just—it's like what the world's going on there with that guy. It, he just really looks big. Yeah, I mean, it's funny too because he's only six foot. You know, he's not—he's not tall, big. He's just massive, big. Like that's running into a concrete wall. Like that man—I'm pretty sure he's like 240 pounds or close to it, and it's all muscle. Like, yeah, it, you're, just, you're right. Built and it's just and he's fast too. It's not just oh he's got big muscles he can stop anybody. No, he's gonna chase you down the field and he's gonna catch up to you on 100 percent of the time. Like you're not gonna stop it. My question for both of you is this, okay? And and I gotta start off with a statement first. I'm old. All right, I, I've got a teenage daughter. She's 13 years old. I've got a little girl. She's five years old. And I've realized that I'm old and, and my clothes look old. I, I, you know, I don't buy that many new clothes. I'm just comfortable in what I have. Right. I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. What, what is Bruce Arians doing on the sideline? As far as a fashion statement goes, <laughs> it, it looks like he went out to his garage before he came to the, to the stadium and he pulled the garage door opener off of the ceiling and it strapped it to his chest. What what is he doing out there, guys? 
Oh, I thought you were going to go to his mask because I can't stand that little <laughs> mask on his big round face. It's everything. The mask, the glasses, the hat, the look at that. <laughs> he, he cracks me up. I enjoy it. Hey, man, listen, if, as long as he coaches well and wins his games, I don't care what you look like. You can wear you can wear a poncho all game. That's fine by me. Just get our guys in a position to win, honestly. I'll, I'll join him. I'll get a Kangle. I'll get a poncho. I'll get a garage door. What's up? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that this is a big one for us, Ashley. And I think that, you know, obviously it would be nice to play a Super Bowl slash win a Super Bowl in our home stadium. That would be phenomenal. And especially the fact that we have so many free agents, big name free agents mm -hmm. after this season. You know, you look at guys, Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Damakon Sue, Gronk, Antonio, Fournette, even the kicker, Ryan Suckup's a free agent. Like, <laughs> of all these guys that are upcoming free agents, and obviously, you know, you'd love to have them all back, but, you know, that the salary cap's not going to allow that to happen. How do you see if you have any feel on how this plays out on who comes back and, and who might go walking? I think the top two priorities, like, they have to get this done if they want to be contenders next season, and I mean true contenders, um, just because of the, the major roles that they play on both sides of the ball. I think 1A has to be Levante David, and 1B has to be Chris Godwin. And it's not taking anything away from Mike or, or, or Scotty or even AB if he comes back, but that offense is so dynamic once you get Godwin on the field next to Evans because he takes so much pressure off of him. Um, I feel like they could be, like, the best duo in the league. Like, they – because I'm pretty sure Mike's locked up until 2023, um, and I don't ever see him, like – I'm pretty sure that he will retire Rebecca at this point. Like, he's going to be 27 or 28. I mean, he's one of those guys that he wants to keep around forever. Like – and I think Godwin's almost the same way. I think, I mean, Godwin could if he really wanted to chase more money in free agency. But, I mean, it's hard to argue when you play with uh, a Hall of Famer and, you know, a, another possible Hall of Famer, like one of the best in the game right now and Mike and Brandon Brady. I mean, he sees production. He sees the passes he wants. He gets to play with the GOAT. Like, it's kind of hard to pass up. And I think with Levante, like, as much as Devin White has come onto the scene and become one of the premier defenders in the league, you know, Levante David is the heart and soul of the defense still. Like, I, it doesn't run without Levante. Like, that's just how it's always been. He's been that solid guy in the middle who's going to make stops. He's going to make plays. He's going to be that emotional leader on the team. And I think that if they want to be contenders next year, they have to try and bring both of them back. But as far as everybody else, um, I think Suckup comes back. Gronk comes back. AB might come back on the team-friendly deal. I don't think he wants to play with anybody else outside of Brady. But I, I think Shaq walks, and I think Sue maybe retires. Because, I mean, Sue's getting up there. He's, like, what, 30, 33 or 34? Like, he's getting up there. And I think Shaq is just going to – I mean, nothing against Shaq. I'd love to have him back, but I just don't think we have the money to sign them all back. You know what I mean? Like, I think Shaq might walk and seek, you know, that real big payday because even though he hasn't had the double-digit sacks this year, he still had some crazy good production. All right, Annie, I got to ask you, what is your prediction of what's going to happen in the final outcome for Sunday's ballgame? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> See, Ashley, I, Ashley, I've been answering the, that question the same way all week. <laughs> oh man i mean <laughs> it, you know it, it's hard when it's your team and you just get that feeling of of your team going to green bay 
and you got to beat them at Lambeau Field. But at the same time, you know you got Tom Brady on your side. That hesitation that you guys have is is the answer that I honestly hear and expect um, from you because I know where y'all's heart is, but I also know that you guys as fantasy analysts look at it and go, okay, we got an uphill battle, that's for sure. I think so. I mean, they beat them once, and it's not saying like they're not a different team than they are with the week six. Of course they are. I would hope so. That's how they got here. But, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to bet against Brady. It really is. And it's really hard to bet against a team who knows their, you know, their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they're being disrespected. Like, right now, everyone's talking about Mm -hmm. how they're going to get whooped in Green Bay right now. Everyone's talking Mm -hmm. about, oh. They're going to Green Bay in the snow. They have no shot. And I think that they take that to heart. They've been taking it to heart the whole pre, the whole postseason. Oh, mm-hmm. well, they're going to go to Washington, and Washington has a great defense. Oh, they're going to go to New Orleans, and New Orleans is going to sweep them again. We'll go three and zero. Now, oh, they're going to Green Bay, and they're going to get they're going to get destroyed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just I don't know. I feel like they've been playing some really inspired football, and if they can, if they can. Oh man! If they can execute and they can get pressure to breathe or breathe to uh to Rodgers, I mean they have a shot. They have a true shot. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not. I just I don't know. I I don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll go with this. I think that man, I don't know how to answer. This is crazy. <laughs> It's tough. It really is tough, and and I, I hear it. And I, that's at least you have this going for you. I struggle with that question each and every week as a Bears fan, and I feel the same exact way that you feel right now, but you're in the championship game. I feel that way whenever the Bears are playing the Lions, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, to me, Wes, and, and you know, I think that I, I respect Aaron Rodgers and what he's done a lot this year. I think he, he is the MVP. So to go into his house – and to beat him, especially after the whooping that we put on him the first time we played them. There you go. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think go. that he's going to want to come out and say that that game was a fluke. So it's going to be tough. The keys to this game are going to be, like Ashley said, getting pressure on him to make him uncomfortable and make him make bad decisions, force a throw to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's not going to catch it, and it'll bounce off his hands and into Antoine Winfield's hands for a pick you six, go. you know, something <laughs> like that would be awesome. But the key is also going to be protecting Tom Brady. These last two games, the offensive line has done a great job protecting Tom Brady. We've seen Gronk stay in and block a little bit more. We did lose our right guard, but Aaron Stinney stepped up last week and played a good game. Donovan Smith, who's been so hit or miss for basically his entire career, has actually been blocking pretty well at the left tackle position, which is huge to protect Brady's blind side. So if those guys on the offensive line are able to step up, in addition to obviously Jensen and Marpet, who we know are studs up there, I think if they're able to protect Brady, the Bucks might be able to pull this out. Okay. See, that, that's how you got to go, Ashley. Hey, fake it till you make it, Ashley. That's, that's all I can tell you. Fake it till you make it. They be convinced me. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm almost I'm a Buccaneers fan because I really don't like the Green Bay Packers anyway. Don't tell Kevin Tompkins I said that, though. <laughs> Ashley, you did a great job. Thank you so much for making the time to uh, visit with us this evening on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast. We really appreciate you coming in and joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you, guys. You can find Ashley over at EMT underscore Ashley on Twitter, the queen of Buccaneers Twitter. JB, she had a lot of great points. You did, too. 
I, 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 do you have a final outcome? And I, I hope you're just going to say, I ain't picking against my Buccaneers at this point of the season, Wesley. Yeah, honestly, you know, the, the analyst in me wants to say, like, you know, 27 24 Packers, but the Buccaneer in me says 27 24 Buccaneers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way it should be, you know that. That's just the way it should be. And I'm really happy uh, for you that at this point of the year, your team is still alive and still playing. I know we had projected them to do really well this season, and they're living up to all of our expectations. So that's good news. Yeah, and actually, Wes, thinking back to our preseason Super Bowl picks, I had Chiefs and Bucks, so I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm really happy for you. Uh, that's, that's really great, JB. Rub it in a little bit, why don't you? Uh, <laughs> I you couldn't. You, I don't know that anybody could see the Drew Brees retirement and the Drew Brees kind of. I mean, we could take a moment to talk about these guys just real quick. Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, both of those guys were retiring uh, this week, and that news is going to open up some more avenues for younger quarterbacks to get a shot. I don't know who's going to play where. But uh, my hat's off to both of those guys for playing quarterback so long in the NFL. Such a hard thing to do. And when I look at touchdown Tommy Brady still doing it at his age and not looking like he's going to retire at all anytime soon, my hats are off to him too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still got a couple of years in him, whether it be he said he wants to play next year and the following year. He's under contract through next year. So, you know, he and all the talk last year about, oh, he's got no arm strength. He can't throw the ball downfield. We've seen that just completely not true this year he's thrown the ball well he looked great so you know i think that was just a a product of not having anybody to throw the ball to and the way that they were trying to plan that offense because of that last year so i mean shout out to drew Brees. a lot of respect for drew Brees. he's been a division rival for all these years so i couldn't really like him but I can appreciate him. He did a lot for for his city at a time where they needed him. You know, got to give him tip my hat to him and give him a lot of respect. And Philip Rivers, man, I mean, he just one of the best trash talkers in the league. And and the guy doesn't say a curse. So if you <laughs> if you check it out on YouTube, if you YouTube mm-hmm. Philip Rivers like best clips or best trash talking and stuff like that, you'll see some funny stuff. Where he's, God. God knob it and <laughs> gosh darn it, dag nab it. <laughs> like it's just it's so funny watching him go on a rant and like even the 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 trash talk that he does with the other players is hilarious in in, in the Philip Rivers way. Yeah. So shout out to two of those guys who've been a lot of fun to watch and have been great for us in, in the fantasy world as well over these years. Yeah. Hey JB, you know what I just saw? What did you see? You had a page two of these notes. I just saw you had page two. <laughs> <laughs> I got down to page one. I did really well this week with the notes. You, hey, you, you've done a great job the last couple of weeks in preparing the show, getting everything lined up, and helping me out along the way. And I think that the shows have been great because of it, JP. Uh, so good oh, job I, by you. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. You're the man pushing the buttons and, and pulling the strings over there. So, you know, obviously you're awesome at what you do. And, and I think that's what makes us a, a great team here at the Fantasy Magnets, man. Yeah, you're organized. I'm dysfunctional. So that's always a good a good thing. Hey, JB, you can find him, Jared Barry, on Twitter, at Fantasy Coach JB. does so many things over there. I'm looking forward to another season with you next year. I don't know what we're going to do next week. I, I don't know what the show schedule is going to be. It's going to be a Pro Bowl week, so I don't think that we've got to cover the Pro Bowl. So we'll have to see what the Fantasy Magnet podcast has in store for us next week, JB. 
Yeah, especially with them not actually playing the Pro Bowl. There won't be a game for us to talk about. But, you know, maybe we can have some some people on from the different teams, you know, maybe some beat writers or or other people that want to talk about the two teams that are heading to the Super Bowl, something like that. So we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. You know, I know our fans and listeners are are still involved and and listening to the show. Shout out to you all. And I get texts from a lot of my friends, especially Rob. One of my friends, Rob texted me after last week, one by one, breaking down all the analysts, what he liked about each of them. And and this was great. Followed a few of them after the show. So love the support. And, and, you know, this is what we do. We do it for you guys. Yeah. In the meantime, head over to FI Today with a little underscore on Twitter. Check out that pinned tweet when you can find that Viridian gear that we were talking about earlier in the show. All three of those different hats, the T-shirts, the baseball little shirt that I like to call it, and that nice, uh, what do you call it, a buttery hoodie. You said it's soft like butter. And, and so yeah, butter. So it's, it's one of those hoodies that you can wear all the time. And we really do appreciate you, Fit Family, for listening and tuning in. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Loafing It on Twitter. Head over to Anchor FM. You can subscribe to the show there. And if it happens to be on the iTunes app, make sure you slap those stars around, leave a review. But more importantly than all those things, Fit Family, we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 